Hi, everyone. Today's episode is about learning through play. I had Becca from the Becca blog come on the show to talk all about this topic. She is a mom of four and she has triplets. And I think she does a really great job of weaving play into her day. One of the most common questions that I get asked is what curriculum I'm using with my preschoolers. I think as a culture, we are very focused on making sure that we have books in front of our kids in order to make sure that they are learning. I do use The Good and the Beautiful. I've used it for the last two years for the preschool and kindergarten age, and I like that. And I also use Starfall and Reading Eggs as our apps but I don't place all of my focus on the curriculum. Play is more important than I think we realize. So I wanted Becca to come on the show to talk about this topic so that it might help you kind of step away a little bit from the bookwork and recognize the value that play can give in children's academics. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let's face it, being a homeschooling mom who also works from home can be pure chaos. As you've probably already noticed, despite the occasional laugh track, life isn't a sitcom and everyday struggles are rarely resolved in 30 minutes with commercial breaks to keep your sanity in check. So the right strategies and mindset are vital for becoming more productive and less overwhelmed with all the things life throws at us. Enter the Simply Freeing podcast. Episodes for the highly passionate, busy, work-at-home, homeschooling mama ready to break away from cultural norms and raise lifelong learners. So let's kick stress to the curb, throw chaos out the door, and order in some peace and simplicity with a cup of coffee or three. Hi, Becca. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. I wanted to talk about learning through play. So that is something that I I get a lot of messages in particular with like preschool parents. And they say, well, tell me your best preschool curriculum. And they always want to have some sort of guide so that they can teach their children how to read and math and things like that. And in my opinion, I believe play is the best way to help them to learn, especially at that age, just because they don't have the attention spans that children have when they're older. So I know you have a big family and you have some educational background, and I love watching what you post on social media about play. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So can you just um, give us a little background on your teaching experience and your family? Yes. Yeah, so I am a mom. I have four little kids. They are all five and under. I have a set of triplets who are four. And then I have another kiddo that's two. Um, and I'm married. We live here in North Carolina. We actually just moved here um, in the last like eight months. So we've had lots of changes in our family in the last like four years. <laughs> um, so I was a teacher before I had kids. I have a degree in K through 12 special education. I started off teaching high schoolers that had autism who um, I would say like their functioning level was probably that like a third grade to a fifth grader. So the curriculum was actually more like elementary school. It was a very practical life, like how to do educational things 
in a re very real sense, things that would be really applicable to just being uh, an independent adult. Um, and then I switched to teaching elementary school, uh, kindergarten, first and second grade. And that's really when I started to learn more about little ones and their ability to learn through play. However, I did have that experience with the high schoolers and just kind of knew that like that hands-on experience was so good all the way up through high school. So when I had my own kids and I left teaching, I really wanted to carry that like hands-on experience, that play-based learning into my own home. Um, and so I found things like Montessori and Waldorf and just red, red, red um, on those philosophies and just kind of my own experience. And I've made, uh, I guess I would say we've made collective decisions on how to do learning with play at home. Um, people start out, like you said, you went to, you studied Montessori and Waldorf and those are two educational philosophies. And then eventually what you do is most people, I feel like they kind of create their own over time because they start to see that every child is individual and mm -hmm. they can tailor their education based on the individual child. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Absolutely. I think like it really just comes with, depends on your level of experience, what you've studied um, and like personally studied, not just like academically, like for a degree. Um, and then just like what works for your own family and your own schedules. And it kind of comes together in this you know, unique way for your family. But I think everybody kind of starts off by doing a little research into something that like piqued their interest. Mm -hmm. So how many kids do you have? I have four kids. So okay. triplets and a two-year-old. And how old are your triplets? They're four. Okay. Wow. So yeah, you definitely, you definitely <laughs> are very busy. <laughs> yes. I feel like most days I live in a very small preschool class. <laughs> <laughs> so can you give us some examples of what you do with your kids that that would really help them to learn in a um, non-traditional school way? <laughs> yeah. So like learning through play, I feel like play um, is really meant to be like an organic thing. So I try to almost do what I would call an invitation, like I set up an invitation for them to play. So often for me, that's like sensory bins for them. So, um, I might put, you know, like rice and some small parts of say they're really interested in, I don't know, like PJ masks right now. So I may color the rice to be like the colors of the PJ masks, throw some PJ masks in the oven, put some little cars out and then, um, kind of just leave that for them and like, look guys, you know, this is out for you to play with and then let them take it from there. So they are the ones who will often say things like, mom, I, there's three of these in here. Or like, I filled this all the way to that. I'm only filling this a pathway. So they're learning like vocabulary terms. They're practicing different concepts. They're talking through like prepositions. The cat is under the car now, mom, cat boy's on top of the building. So those kind of things are happening naturally in play. So that is like my, my best way to explain like learning through play is that like, it's generally just set up as an invitation. Then it's like the adult sort of takes themselves out of the situation and lets the kids learn through their play on their own. And do you, when that happens, I know in an ideal world, it would make sense for you to be there like all the time and kind of facilitate and help, mm -hmm. you know, help them through some vocabulary and stuff. But do you do that every once in a while and, and kind of be there as a mentor and like help ask them questions and things like that? Sometimes, or sometimes like at the very beginning, I might like prompt a little bit, like, 
oh, look, I put these here and you can count these out. And like, let me, let me see how many of these there are and like count for them or something. So sometimes I may like get them started in a direction um, that I want them to go. And sometimes people call them like invitations to learn because the goal is for them to learn something. Um, and it can be like a little less play based because you're, you have a goal to get them to learn. If I'm really wanting it to be play, like I'm generally not involved, um, unless there's like a conflict, but if I want them to learn at least a little something, or I want to direct it a little bit, I usually prompt the beginning and not in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I know my, um, one of my daughters has always been, had such an amazing imagination. She could go off and play for hours on her own and be totally fine. Would you say that all your kids are naturally like that from the beginning or are, do you have some of them that need a little bit of support and to teach them how to play by themselves? Because I hear that a lot. Like my child doesn't really play by themselves. For sure. I feel like I have like the whole spectrum in my house. Like I have one kid that is absolutely content to like go do her thing with dolls at the dollhouse and she will be entertained for so long that I'm like, she go. Then I have all the way down to kids who are like, I feel like they last like five minutes of a century bin without a little like push. So I feel like, you know, it just depends on what I'm really, what my goal is. Like if I want them to have a sustained amount of like attention to this thing, then I might have to step in and like direct them back. Um, but usually like if it's try, if I'm trying to make it play-based, I want such little pressure. So I won't like force them back at it. I might say like, Oh, are you done playing? Uh, did you notice, you know, I put blah, 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 blah in there, whatever, some, I, you know, thing that's high interest and see if they'll go back to it. Sometimes they will. And sometimes they're like, well, I'm done. I'm going to the swings. Um, and I'm just like, okay. So it really depends on what I'm trying to get them to get out of it. Like if I just want it to be played, then I don't usually prompt them back. And I do have kids that linger longer at the sensory bin or at the thing that I put out for them. And I have kids that are like just done faster. And what would you say about messes just regarding sensory bins? Cause I know this comes up too. some people cannot handle the mess. So do you have like set rules that you have given them that they've gotten used to following? I also can't stand the mess. So there's just certain bins that I do outside. Like my kids love Ublack. Well, that is like slimy and a messy disaster, but they love it. And so I don't want to not let them have it, but it's like one of those that is like a hard outside, like it's never an inside bin. So if I've got like a rainy day place set up, then I'm going to pick something that's like, I can tolerate like usually rice. If that gets on the floor, it doesn't bother me too much. And the kids know that if they're like whipping it around, they're going to have to help vacuum it up. So that's like one way to kind of deter the throwing it around or like at least get some assistance with picking it up if it does get whipped around. But like the really messy stuff I do outside. Um, Even like yesterday, I did an invite to just like create for them. So I gave them like a box and a bunch of different like drawing tools, but I set it up outside because then I figured like, okay, I don't have to worry about anybody by the walls. These markers, they can be very free without an adult like watching their every move. So the outside is my go-to if I'm concerned about the mess. Yes. And I know I'm in North Carolina too. The weather here is amazing. So we have the ability to keep them outside for a long time. So that's we did come from Chicago and we are used to indoor ones though. So like I just had my my summer bins and my winter bins and we didn't do like Ublack in the wintertime. Okay. (laughs) So we, before um, I started recording, we were talking about two other things. You had mentioned you have an allowance system. So I wanted you to talk about that. 
Yeah, we started that a few weeks ago and that's been a really good way to teach the kids some math concepts and um, like general, just like introduction of money. So um, the kids will do like, various chores like just make your bed or like I need you to go brush your teeth or I need you to pick these toys up and each time they do that they can earn a nickel and I just have plastic nickels because I feel like coins are hard to come by right now (laughs) but I have these nickels that are like toy ones that look like a real nickel and then they know now when they have 20 in their jar that equals a dollar so we like worked through the system to learn like how many nickels is a dollar? And now we're starting to like introduce counting by fives. I don't expect them at four to like master it, but like introducing those concepts so that when they do like come back to being prepared to learn it, I feel like they're more ready to learn it more quickly. Um, so they know like when I have 20 in my jar, then like we can go to the store and we can go buy a Hot Wheels car or this toy. Um, and they're starting to learn to like the number one and a dot means like it's probably an okay thing to purchase. So they're working on some of those like concepts of money, but it's all through, I wouldn't say it's through play, but it's like all through just experiential learning. Like they're just helping out. This is like a little chore system that we have and like in a little allowance system, but they're like learning math and money and also the social expectations of like going to a store and making a purchase and interacting with the cashier too. So I think there's so many ways to teach things without it having to be like a worksheet or sitting down at a table or a lecture or a book. Yeah. And it's so much more fun for the kids too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I, and it also depends on the child, but um, I think a lot of times when, when my children want a book in front of them, my little ones, it's because they see an older child in the family that has a book. So they uh-huh. kind of want to copy the big kids, but I can, I, I know that they would love a play lesson much more than a book if they had the choice themselves. So it's all what's modeled for them. Yes. And I feel like too, when you're in, you know, you're really doing it, you're like more, you're likely to commit it to memory rather than, you know, if you're just hearing about it, maybe counting some manipulative or something in a classroom you're, you're not never going to come in as member, but you're less likely to than if you're actually like fully immersed in what the thing is that you're doing. And, um, my children love singing. They, they memorize things really well through songs. So we, for, like you said, the skip counting by fives, we have, um, we downloaded the classical conversations app and they have all the times to the multiplication tables and, um, through song. So, they, my kids have memorized it just by default because they love listening to that. So we do that in the mornings. Um, so, but that's just the way my kids, they really enjoy singing. So that's why I chose to do that with them. Um, but I really like your approach about the chores and the nickels. I think that's, that's a really great idea. I used to use song when I was a teacher too. And actually same for multiplication tables, like songs for so many things. We're so much more likely to like, remember a song than we are like just a definition out of a book. <laughs> and then the other thing we talked, you, you mentioned pizza before. Yeah. And that's another great way to like, it practices multiple things. So like our kids love doing homemade pizza. And so like, for sure, there's times I'm 
being fast. I just do like a frozen pizza or something, but you know, a lot of times I try to go and buy like the stuff to make the pizza. So then our kids are practicing like the entire time, like they're practicing the skills of like sharing with other people. So there are social situations that are occurring. They're practicing, you know, like measurements. Like I need somebody to do a cup of water. This is what a cup looks like. Um, they're practicing like fine motor skills as they're like mixing and stirring and spreading sauce. And they're working on numbers when we talk through like punching the um, like temperature into the oven, you know, cause we'll look at like, okay, we need to find a three, we need to find a seven, we need to find a five. Um, and so they're working through like so many life skills. They're working through social skills and they're learning math. And like when the pizza pops out and we need to cut it up, we're like, hmm, how many people are in our family? There's six. Okay. We need six pieces. Okay. You're going to get one of the six pieces. That's the sixth. And just using some of those terms with them is exposure to those concepts. And after repeated times of doing that, it's six with a child. So that's a simple way to involve them in social skills, fine motor, math, and vocabulary, all in just a fun cooking activity. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I've noticed for myself is that over time with my, with my little ones, I don't feel that pressure anymore that I used to feel to get them ready to read by age five. Mm -hmm. Or it, it's just, I think when I stopped thinking of cooking and as like, oh, this is just going to be more a mess for me and started using the cooking time as our learning time and like actually worked with them. And this, this Mm -hmm. is our school. I may not say it to the kids, but I say it in my mind. It just helps me to recognize how many times I'm actually sitting with them and learning Mm -hmm. with them. Um, Because uh, we have to fix our mindset and kind of take the school um, you know, we have such a, a image of what school should look like with sitting down at tables with books. And then it's hard for us to feel okay. And to feel, um, we always feel very pressured to do that, but this is so much better in my opinion for, for little ones. I completely agree. And when I left college, I had that same vision, like you just are desks, books, teacher in front of the room, because that's also how I went through. I was actually homeschooled through grade school, but then that's how like middle school and high school was for me. But then when I went to teach the, um, the kids that had autism that were the high schoolers, I mean, did so much with experience. I like had my eyes open to like how much experiential learning can, can take place of the book learning, but it really does need to be like in smaller groups, which is why I find it so easy to do at home. Like with my family, it's hard for a teacher who has 29 kids in her classroom to be like, let's cook pizzas together. But you know, when I taught the high schoolers, I only had eight kids in my class. So I think some of those things are missing from public school that like hands-on learning and teachers are overwhelmed with the number of kids that they can't do those things. But I think it's critical learning for the kids. Yes, I completely agree. This has been so helpful. Thank you. I know that <laughs> helps me to um to hear what other people do. And it kind of gives me ideas and how I can, you know, implement that into my home. I, I want you to share your social media and your website because um I know you have a lot of great um reels and um videos that that show exactly what you do during playtime. Sure. Yeah. So um my like social media handles for everything for Instagram, TikTok, um, Pinterest and Facebook is at the Becca blog. 
Um, and then that's also my website, thebeccablog.com. And my primary like resources that I share are like just inspiration for play. Um, and then reels showing usually like either how to set up a play or, um, like a easy way to teach a concept. Like I just did one the other day on like how four different ways to do sight words that require like very little prep. Thank you. That's perfect. So sure. All that to the show notes. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an episode of the Simply Freeing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes drop. Let's connect on Instagram at whole9family, W-H-O-L-E, the number nine, family. If you take a screenshot of today's episode and share it in your stories, tag me so that I can thank you.